0: This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 2168, Transferring a Primary Residence to Children, part one, by Sean Mullaney of FitaxGuy.com. And I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. I have a bit of a longer post, so I'll read the first half today and then finish the rest for you tomorrow. So with that, let's dive into part one and start optimizing your life. Transferring a Primary Residence to Children, Part 1, by Sean Mullaney of FitaxGuy.com. How do you pass your family's house to your children? It's a pressing question and involves significant tax, legal, and emotional considerations. Unfortunately, it's a topic about which there is much confusion. This blog post discusses some of the important considerations, but as a blog post, it can only scratch the surface. Anyone looking to efficiently pass on their home is well-advised to consult with their own lawyer, tax professional, and in some cases, their banker as well. Minor children. To my mind, the primary planning objective of married couples with minor children is to account for what happens if both spouses die. Such couples would want their children taken care of in the most flexible manner possible. Generally speaking, in such situations, it's often best to work with a lawyer to transfer the primary residence to a revocable living trust. In the event of both spouses' deaths, the house would be held by the trust and managed by the trustee of the trust. It could be sold or rented for the benefit of the children or kept so the children and their guardians could live in the house. This resolution is generally preferable to leaving a house directly to minor children. Revocable living trusts. What is a revocable living trust? It's generally a written trust drafted by a lawyer that owns property the grantors or settlers transfer to the trust. For this sort of planning, usually spouses, the grantors, transfer their home to the trust and designate themselves as the primary beneficiaries of the trust. The trust provides that the grantor's minor children are the successor beneficiaries. Upon both spouses' deaths, the trust becomes irrevocable and a trustee holds the assets and manages them on behalf of the beneficiaries, the minor children. The best thing about a revocable living trust, as long as the grantors are alive, the trust is fully revocable, so mistakes can be easily fixed working with a lawyer. Revocable living trusts also generally avoid probate. Tax effect. One nice thing about a revocable living trust is that it doesn't change the grantor's tax situation. All the income of the trust assets remain the taxable income of the grantor. Generally speaking, the grantor's tax return does not change at all. Further, favorable tax rules, such as the 250,000 per person exclusion for capital gains on qualified primary residences, apply unchanged. Parents placing their primary residence in their own revocable living trust does not necessitate the filing of a federal gift tax return, Form 709. Upon inheriting a house as the beneficiary of a revocable living trust, the child takes a fair market value tax basis in the house, the so-called step-up in basis. This makes using a revocable living trust a tax-efficient way of passing a house to the next generation. Adult children. Okay, but what about adult children? It's readily apparent that five-year-olds should not own real estate outright. But what about grown children? If a primary goal is simply avoiding probate, why not use a joint tenancy with the rights of survivorship instead of a revocable living trust? Putting an adult child's name on the title of the parent's primary residence, and thus creating a joint tenancy with rights of survivorship can lead to a host of issues but perhaps not the issues that initially come to mind. Capital gains tax. What about the adult child's capital gain upon the sale of the house after the parent's death? Is that a reason to use a revocable living trust to house the house, pun intended? Well, it turns out the answer is generally no. Assuming the adult child did not contribute to the acquisition of the house, the adult child can take a full fair market value basis in a house acquired from a joint tenancy. Here's an example very loosely based on the example on page 10 of IRS Publication 551. Example, Joan and Jane owned as joint tenants with rights of survivorship, Joan's home. Joan paid $300,000 for it. Jane paid nothing for it. Upon Joan's death, The home has a fair market value of $600,000. Jane inherits as the surviving joint tenant the house from Joan with a $600,000 basis, a fully stepped up basis. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled Transferring a Primary Residence to Children by Sean Mullaney of fitaxguy.com. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/OFD. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com/OFD for your extended 30-day free trial. While this article discusses the best ways to leave property to your children, there might be some good reasons to not go this route. According to a Wall Street Journal article by Malcolm Butler, despite the best of intentions, this decision isn't always in the best interest of the heirs. The reality is that inheriting a family home can be more of a burden than a blessing due to the high cost of maintenance, property taxes, insurance, legal fees, and other expenses. It's also incredibly complicated and cumbersome to share a property between multiple parties. Real estate often comes with emotional attachments, which can prevent your children from making smart financial decisions. Too often, families imbue real estate or other assets with emotional power, including the rosy haze of childhood memory, which can cloud their judgment when it comes to making strategic financial decisions. Malcolm cautions that he's seen family homes become cash flow negative money pits, as well as emotional black holes. Rather than gifting the primary family house or a vacation home to your heirs as part of your estate plan, consider treating family property like any other asset in an estate. You can stipulate that all real estate be sold upon your death and that the proceeds be divided evenly between your heirs. Well, that should do it for today. Have a happy rest of your day and a great weekend, and I'll see you on the Saturday show tomorrow where we'll finish up this post and where your optimal life awaits.